Uh, John chapter 3, verse 6 says this, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. If we are yielding to the flesh, we're going to give birth to the flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. All of us are giving birth in our life into things and situations and in life. We are giving birth. Either we are giving birth uh, in the spirit or we are giving birth in the flesh. So may God help us. Pastor John, um, he didn't know what I was speaking on and he started referencing that about laying down any fleshly desires. And when I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's exactly what all of us need to do. Uh, the good news is that even with all the bad news in our land and around the world, uh, we can enjoy godly success. It's okay to say amen in this place, all right? Okay. We're all giving birth to something, and we can give birth to godly success as God brings it about in our life. So, number one, flesh, that which results in failure, that which is against God's will or God's word. Uh, the spirit, on the other hand, that which is of God, that which promotes God's kingdom, that which gives birth to success. Uh, it's all dependent on the word of God. All right, there is in each of us, every one of us, and as a pastor, I love for people to succeed. I love for them to uh, see increase. Uh, I don't expect them to take all of that increase and spend it on themselves, but we want people to increase, get better jobs, uh, be a bigger channel, a blessing in the world, and have more uh, to be able to meet their own needs and save up for the future and be able to bless others in the kingdom of God. So anyway, God wants you to be a godly success. All right. God wants you to succeed. Satan wants you to fail. And I know as a pastor, if I like to see you succeed, uh, God, how much more does God love for you to succeed? Years ago, we hired a man, um, and he hadn't been with us but about two or three weeks, and he came to me, and he was a great employee, he came to me and he said, uh, hey, listen, uh, someone else has offered me a job. It's quite a bit more. And uh, he, he was really hesitant to tell me because he had only been there such a short time. And I was like, man, this is great. I, I wish we could match that, but uh, I'm happy for you. And, and uh, so no problem at all. You go and take that job. I want people to succeed. I want them to be blessed. I want you to be blessed in this life. And uh, God wants you to be blessed. But let's be very careful because we don't want to fall into the trap of thinking success is man's definition. Man's definition of success may be a whole lot different than God's definition. Man says it's based on 
position. It's based on wealth. It's based on uh, the things we accumulate. That is not God's definition of success. First and foremost, it is God's plan revealed and displayed in our life where we obey him and walk in obedience to the Lord. So obedience is a part and parcel of God's success for us. We may not make a a ton of money, but uh, whatever we are doing, as long as we are pleasing God and walking in the plans of God, uh, then we are a success. Years ago, I had someone really close to me. Um, This person uh, had a job and he was making okay money, but it wasn't that much, but they were getting by. Uh, They didn't have a lot of excess, but they were getting by. This person loved God with all their heart. They were married to someone who, generally speaking, was a good person, but I noticed something, and he was shared with me in prayer, and uh, he shared that, you know, her sisters, she had, I believe, two sisters, and one of them was married to someone making a lot of money, the other one the same, and so here she is, her both sisters, prospering, big houses, plenty of money, big nice cars, and this thing began to eat on her, even though she was a Christian and would have told anybody she loved God. This thing began to affect her, and she started seeing success, or apparently, I don't want to put words in her mind or thoughts in her mouth, but uh, she apparently, from all indications, started seeing success as that instead of simple obedience to God that may not reach the same level where she was presently. And eventually, eventually, she divorced this person. And I was like, I cannot believe this because this man was a great guy, loved God, tender-hearted, compassionate. I mean, when he called me up and told me what was going on, and they lived in another state, didn't attend here, but uh, when he called me up, I was, I was like, oh, I can't believe she would do that. And I found myself being a little angry with her. And thinking to myself, how dare she kick some great, great guy to the curb? And uh, then he says to me, because I started sharing, I was a little perturbed at her, and he says to me, wait a minute, girl, girl, listen, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look, man, I mean, no, I don't agree with this. Yes, I've tried really hard. And then he says, but I could have done better. I could have been better. And I'm like, oh, my God, have mercy. When I heard that, I just thought, oh, that makes me appreciate you that much more. That, that just makes me feel like uh, how silly she was to get rid of you, to have a husband that wasn't blaming it all on her, even though she was the one pushing him to the curb, at least from my observations. But God does not measure our success if whether you've got a ton of money in the bank or you only have $10 left. And I'm not going to ask that because some of you may have $10 left. And God can still and will still see you as a success. If you came here tonight 
with $10 in the bank and you're not going to get paid for some time and you lifted your hands and worshiped God and exalted his name and said, God, I praise you. God calls you a success, all right? Whether you've got $10 or $10,000 in the bank, you're a success when you obey God and please the heart of God. Well, God wants you to succeed. How many of you believe that? And it's not, don't get away from the thought process of, of money. Uh, but God wants you to succeed in life. And yes, I do believe biblically that that means that you, you don't focus on it, but that means that God desires to bless you and prosper you also. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 um, says, brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Think about, for a moment, Paul is saying, your life before you became a Christian. Think about what you were when you were called. Now, not many of you were wise. Not many of you were wise. Uh, by human standards, he says, not many were influential. There may have been one in the crowd that was influential, but... He says, not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, all right? Not by anybody here of noble birth other than me, all right? So uh, someone in our church traced my genealogy. I'm just telling you, all right? Uh, on my mother's side, all the way to some earl in England. I'm just, uh, I'm, anyway, you can see me afterwards. I'll sign something for you, all right? But anyway, no, uh, I was fascinated by it, but uh, that doesn't qualify as noble birth. But God chose, I love this, verse 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's you and I. We were the foolish things of the world to confound or to shame the wise, the unwise we were. Most believers in the world today were not of great influence before they came to Christ. Now, after they came to Christ, they became great influential people. After they came to Christ, they were of noble birth through Christ, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Let me stop there. God wants to use you who maybe doesn't even see yourself like you should, and maybe others don't, God wants to use you to cause others to say, look at that person. I can't believe what they're accomplishing. I can't believe what they're doing. I can't believe how kind and gracious and, and uh, loving and influential they have become with others around them. All right, so... God wants to use you no matter how weak you may think you are. And the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. All right, so let the weak say, I am strong, so that no one may boast before him. Verse 29, it is because of him, because of Christ. You are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts 
boast in the Lord, amen. All right, so what those scriptures are saying is God looked down and the poor heard him gladly and most of us maybe fit into that category and looked down, not wise by the world's standards, but uh, God swept us into his presence, gave us new life in Christ. We became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We became the wisdom of Christ. So now, look at you. If you've been saved for any period of time of, at all, you should be wise. You are wise. Just go ahead and say, why don't you just say it to yourself right now? I am wise. I am smart. All right, I am in Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Without him, I can do nothing. So he takes the foolish things of the world and confounds the wise. Well, when it comes to success, it always involves God first and other people also. You can't be a success in life and be a hermit. You can't be a success for those of you online. You've got to, that's why if you can't uh, and you're not comfortable coming out and you, because of a situation, listen, then you need to do what you can. Get on the phone, call people, reach out. Success involves other people and you can touch them even if you're unable to get out to any kind of great degree. Number one, the number one barrier to success is our relationship with other people. I'm gonna read it again. The number one barrier to success is our relationship with other people. Wow. Um, now, by no fault of our own, a lot of people in this room um, have struggled in relationships um, because most of us grew up in a home that had some dysfunction. Uh, when you grow up in a home that's loving and got a mom and a dad, both of them are on the same page, they love each other, they love the kids, they speak into their kids' lives, they want them to do right, uh, they, uh, you know, there's um, a small house and you got six kids and, uh, you know, there's two of you in the same bedroom and my sisters, there were four of them, in that bedroom, uh, you learn to get along with people when there are four people in the same bedroom, all right? So then when you get rich and everybody's got their own bedroom, they never see each other. They don't know how to get along. Then they go to college and got to stay in the same dorm room with two other people, and it's like, ah, they, they don't know how uh, in their relationships to function sometimes, not always, of course, but relationships are so vitally important and getting along with people being, uh, let's look at the notes. All right, number one, God wants us to love everyone. Everyone. So think of somebody you're having a hard time with and say, I'm gonna love them anyway. I'm gonna love them. God, you're gonna help me to love that person. And one of the best ways you fall uh, in love with them as far as a, a person is by starting to pray for them. So if you're struggling with somebody, then start praying for them. Number two, to be kind and friendly toward all. I'm gonna go through these quickly. We don't have them on the screen. 
to be kind and friendly toward all. I see some of you around here. Uh, you are friendly to people. You are kind to people. Uh, and listen, I challenge you to become that way. You say, well, pastor, that's just not me. Well, it can be you if you just say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out of this shell. Uh, listen, there are a lot of us in this room that were shy, introverted. You've heard my story over and over. I was shy. I was introverted. Uh, and you have to, you know, you get saved. You get baptized in the Holy Spirit. God begins to transform you. And uh, then you start reaching out and feeling more and more comfortable. And, and it's God working through you because how would Jesus act here tonight? If Jesus were physically here, he'd be like, don't get close to me. I got a mask. He's got a mask on. And uh, no, Jesus would be reaching out. He may not make somebody feel uncomfortable in the COVID era that we're in, but let's just talk about normal times, all right? Back before COVID, Jesus was here. He would be speaking to everyone, talking, I mean, uh, touching and ministering to people. He is a people person. Think what Jesus, the Messiah, would have been like if he like, all right, the disciples are over there, all right, and he's standoffish. No, he's engaging, and uh, he is people-focused, and so that's exactly what we need to be. Amen, for sure. All right, so number three, make sure you marry the right person. If you're single here tonight, make sure you marry the right person because if you marry the wrong person, and uh, listen, don't ever feel condemnation because no doubt many of you in here have maybe married the wrong person and, and it didn't work out. Put that behind you. Get it. It's under the blood. Don't worry about it. We're, looking, we're talking about going forward, all right? Not going back because marrying the right person uh, from this point on can be a, a, a game changer as far as uh, success is concerned. All right, then... Uh, and when they, that person should get along with other people. You don't want to marry somebody who's a hermit and doesn't want to ever see people go anywhere, be around people, no. Number five, you must learn how to get along well with people. Be challenged. I mean, people can be really challenging. Be friendly if they're not friendly. Uh, reach out to them uh, when you run in contact with them. Be, uh, be open to them anyway. Be a friend to them, even if, if they are pushing back. I mean, you don't want to push too hard, but you want to be open. Somebody needs to reach those people. There are people in our church that someone needs to step out and reach them. There are hurting people here. Uh, last weekend, we, we met someone, and, and they have a son, and that son struggles with... Um, some, I, I, well, I don't even want to uh, label them at all, but uh, they struggle, and she's a single mom, and someone called her this week, and that could identify, went through the same thing, just poured into her life, and I just thought, that is what ministry in church is about. It is seeing a need and filling it. It is uh, reaching into the lives of others when we can and be a blessing. All right. It is not success, godly success. It is not what you need 
to do or behavior-wise. It is what you need to become. Now, success is something that you, not that you pursue, uh, because uh, what you pursue can elude you. Success is something you attract by the person you become. And then number eight, a biggest pitfall is not being consistent in our life. Uh, we want to be engaging. We want to be consistent. We don't want to have, you know, be stumbling over the same old problems over and over again. No, God help us to get up and keep moving and be uh, consistent and build momentum in our lives. Don't procrastinate or be lazy. If you're going to have godly success, one thing the Bible teaches us, work hard. Okay, that's not a dirty word, all right? And the Bible is very consistent with this. Work hard, all right? Don't be lazy. Develop, number 10, your prayer life. Spend time with God. You're only gonna be a success, a godly success, if you're spending time with the one who changes us. And in the word which transforms our minds, well, Let's look at a story of a man, uh, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love this story. He is, uh, to me, just an incredible success story, to say the least. And usually in the mornings when the staff are meeting and praying and reading the Word, I usually start out in the um, Old Testament or wherever I'm at, read through, go back, read through again, go back, read through again. But usually, every time I get to this story, and maybe it's a story that you need to focus on in the near future or even right away, it's a story, the incredible story of a man who overcame so much to reach a level that few reach in life. Uh, this guy was, of course, the name is Joseph. And every time I get to the end of the story, when it's wrapping up in the 50th chapter of Genesis, it brings me to tears. Uh, it's just an awesome, awesome story of a man who lived and experienced uh, things that most of us will never experience on the low side and even on the high side of things. Genesis 39, verse 2. Let's read it. Let's look what the word says. The Lord was with Joseph. How many of you, the Lord is with you? All right, so let's get this right, all right? The Lord's with you. The Lord was with Joseph. And he was a, what? Successful man. The Lord is with who? Joseph, and the Lord is with who? You. Joseph was a successful man. You are a successful woman. You are a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. For heaven's sakes, look at this. Earlier I said, man looks at position, money, uh, attainment of goods. What did Joseph have? Nothing. Uh, Joseph, he had a position, okay, 
It was a slave. So the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And then he was in the house of his master. He was nothing more than a slave, but the Bible says he was successful. Now, Genesis 39, verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. We go all the way back to Corinthians where we read, God chooses the foolish things. He pulls out those that are not wise by the world's standards. He brings them into the kingdom to confound the wise. So here is a slave demonstrating this in his life. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. But who was actually prospering? It was the Egyptian, the one he was working for. So here, the Bible says, Joseph is a godly success. He is prospering, but all the prosperity of his work and his blessing on his own life is attributed to his master. He had no bank account. He had no position other than a lowly slave, but the Lord caused all he did to prosper even though God knew that the prosperity was going to go to the master. So, he worked hard even though he wasn't paid. So, we ask you, do you work hard even if you're not paid much? You know how it is when you first get a job? Maybe you never had a job before. You remember back that first job when somebody actually paid you money for you to work? Or you went to a grocery store and you walked in, and you were nervous, and you were looking for your very first job, and that's why, by the way, most of the time they have minimal wage is because uh, that's usually for people starting out. And so you walk in, they're paying minimum wage, it's $6 an hour back then, and you're like, you're gonna pay me what? $6 an hour? It's your first job? And you're like, hallelujah, this is incredible and you start working, and you get into the grocery store, and they put you up at the counter, and you are smiling at people, and you are so excited you got there early, and uh, they showed you how to run the machine, and you're clicking the food across the scanner like they do. They still do that? Yes. All right, so anyway, I always go to the self-checkout usually, and, uh, and you are so excited, six bucks, you get your first paycheck and you're like, oh, look at this. You want to frame it, but you need it. And so you don't. And then the months and days go by. What happens? If you're not careful, one day you walk in, you're late. You got an attitude. You walk in, you're over there. Somebody walks up, your first customer. How are you? Okay. And then you're like swiping the groceries. <laughs> yeah. They don't pay me enough. You start griping to the customers. The manager finds out about it. They're like, I need to get rid of this person. 
and then they fire you and you say, they weren't paying me enough anyway and I did all that work and then you blame them and still, dear God, have mercy. Listen, heads up, that is not successful, all right? That is not godly success. Joseph worked hard and he wasn't paid a dime. He was a slave. So, how many of you are gonna go back you're going to work hard. Even though you're not being paid that much, you're going to work hard. You're going to put a smile on your face. You're going to get that check. You're going to thank God for it. And God is going to promote you. God is going to take you from where you are. If you will keep the right attitude and bless his name and uh, work as unto the Lord. All right. So in Genesis 39 and verse 5, so it was from the time that he made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. In other words, you and I, when we are walking in godly blessing and prosperity, it impacts other lives. Others not only notice, but their lives are impacted. Your family is impacted. The church is impacted. All right. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Wow. The Lord blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. Wow. And then the enemy tries to get Joseph to fall and fail through the temptations of Potiphar's wife. Doesn't work, but he ends up in jail. And even though he's now in a prison, and prisons back then were not like they are today. They were horrible. They were places we can't even imagine. You imagine the worst prison, that would have been where Joseph was. But he didn't complain. He keeps a good attitude. He doesn't blame God. What does he do? He starts working hard in that filthy pigsty of a prison. He gets along with the prisoners. He starts reaching out to them. He serves them. He's put in charge over them. And yet at the same time, he is a servant of servants. He keeps praying and believing. I'm going to say this statement, and I believe that it's a life changer. He didn't wait for the situation to change. He changed. He didn't wait for the situation to change. He changed. When he was a, became a ruler, after finally the prison was behind him, what happens? He becomes a ruler, second in command of all Egypt. Then he's got an attitude of God. I don't have revenge toward Potiphar. He didn't get out of prison and God elevated him to second in command to say that Potiphar's wife, I'm going to get her back now. Revenge is mine, saith Joseph. No, she's the one that got him in prison. But he looks back, and folks, listen to this. When you, all of us are going through life, there are things we go through we have no idea. We're like, God, why? Joseph looked back on his life. God, I was just trying to live a good life. I became a slave in Egypt. Lord, I worked hard in Potiphar's house. God, I ended up in a dungeon 
And God, I got in there and I did my best and I reached out to those guys. I, I tried to make their life better, Lord. And I stayed in there for years, Lord. And then finally he's out and he looks back and what he says to his brothers who sold him into that slavery and what he says about Potiphar and Potiphar's wife and the dungeon and all of that, when the brothers came to him so fearful after their dad died because at that point they thought Joseph was going to kill them all, and here's what he said. This is the part that always rips me when I read it. Joseph said, but as for you, talking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Folks, when you and I look at our lives, don't you dare look at the bad points and say, that was horrible. You know, um, I don't see how, and I, I'm mad at that person, and I'm angry at that one. They've hurt me. They've done so much to me, and maybe it was your parents or maybe someone else, and you look back. No, what you need to do is read this story, and you need to read this verse where, yes, they may have meant it for evil against you, but God meant to turn it around for my good. And when you see life in that Romans 8:28 way, like Joseph did, you will be a godly success. Bow your heads with us, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, for every person in this room and every person watching online, I pray, God, that all of us would be a godly success. I ask you, Father, help us. Look at even our past life right now. Lord, not in a way that we chalk it up as a total negative. Lord, we understand clearly. People may have meant evil toward us, but you didn't. And even though through their free will they hurt us, you never intended for that hurt to stick. You intended, oh Lord God, for that pain to cause us to become more godly in life and our response to people and cause us to love people that were unlovely. Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name to help all of us from this point forward in our lives. Help us, oh Lord God, to obey you, get into your word, spend time with you, and become a godly success. Help us to love people. God, if we've got areas of our life, Lord, where we find it hard to get along with people and people find it hard to get along with us, God, I pray we would go on a diligent pursuit of you in our lives to change us, 
to rub away those rough edges. Make us pliable in your hands, oh God, we pray and ask. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, please. And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. You may feel like, hey, I'm a good person. Maybe you even know a Christian that you value or you determine is maybe a worse person than you are. They do things that you wouldn't do. So I challenge you tonight to just stop for a moment and say, but this is not about someone else. This is about you and God. This is about what God wants to do in your life. The worst thing we can do is get our eyes on someone else and worry about what they're doing and try to see whether we're comparable to where they are. No, this is between us and God. And so tonight, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, that is the most important thing for you to do. First and foremost, it's God. So across this building, if you're sitting here or if you're online and you don't know him as Lord and Savior, I pray this very night you would say yes to God's will. So anyone in this room and anyone online, why don't you just respond right now? Those online, I, I challenge you to pray tonight with us. Those of you in this building, if that's your need, you need to get right with God, you need forgiveness, why don't you just slip your hand up right now? I'm, I want to pray for you. Others are praying for you right now. Anyone in this building, just lift your hand. Lift it up high right now. You're sitting here. You need Christ. You need God. Anyone here, we want to make sure we wait. God bless you over here. God bless you. Anyone else in this building? Anyone else? Jesus, Jesus, my God. Stand with us, please, everyone. Jesus. Folks, we want this church to be a, a place that centers on Jesus Christ, centers on the Word of God, preaches the Word in truth and power. We want it to be a place where people walk in and feel the conviction and love of the Holy Spirit and are drawn to Christ. So I want to challenge you tonight. If you're in this building in a moment, we're going to have Pastor John step up and lead us in a chorus. And I want to challenge you to make your way to this altar and say yes to God. I want us to just refocus, maybe even this Christmas season. The Christmas season can be incredibly wonderful, but for some people, it's incredibly tough. Now's a good time to invite people to church, get them in the building, get them here, get them under the presence of God. You speak into their lives, even better yet, win them to the Lord and then bring them. But if you have a need in your life tonight or you need to get right with God, as Pastor John leads us in this course, why don't you step to the altar area, let us pray with you, and whatever your need is, whether it's physical, financial, Whatever it is, maybe it's an area of your life you have a hard time getting along with people. If that's your need, 
Why don't you make your way to this altar? Let's pray before you leave this building.